Hello there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to PPR podcast number 57. My name is Paul. You know Bert. Bert, why don't you introduce our... Well, he's not a Hall of Famer yet, but he should be a Hall of Famer, right? Should be. Actually, and I don't like to say it, so one of my... Actually, you were my favorite player in the 90s, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> Six-time All-Pro, two-time... Well, no, six-time Pro six Bowl, Bowl two-time All-Pro. Three times. He made the Pro Bowl three times, right? Or the All-Pro team three times. Once no, as a, once as a See, starter, my, twice as a second team. I know it. My own Jeez. favorite player. <laughs> when, 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 he, when Eric played, he was considered... It was Eric of, and Deion Sanders. Well, he and was, Rob yeah, Woodson. Yeah, he, he was considered yeah. what they call today a shutdown corner. Yes. Yeah, Rod kind of transitioned to safety, and we kind of hold that against him. But, yeah. Uh, I, not going to go any further. I always just had you and Dion, and then Rod moved around, but he was pretty good at Rod, uh, with, with all due respect to Dion, I know everyone loves Dion. Eric yeah. Allen never shied away from hitting somebody like <laughs> Dion. Uh, with all due respect, you stuck your nose Rod, in there. Rod. Dion played a little flag football out of Oh, times. I'm not going to say again, my favorite player. I grew up in Philly, so you weren't allowed to shy yeah. away from that in Philly. No. Yeah, no, so you, yeah, if Dion was a Philly, he would have had to hit somebody at that time. He, he would have. We would have held him accountable yeah. like we tried to do in many of the Pro Bowls, but Prime was Prime. He's going to do his thing. Yes, and I and I mean no disrespect. Great player, great broadcaster, great coach. <laughs> yeah. But let's tackling was not his strong suit. <laughs> he didn't want to get dirty, man. Yeah. <laughs> so like he, he may want to fly out and play a baseball game afterwards or something. So, hey, that's a good – did you play baseball Point Loma too? Yeah, yeah, I was on uh, the team that David Wells pitched on. Oh, really? And didn't have to do much in the outfield because yeah, no one could hit, basically. Yeah, he was just an unbelievable pitcher, you know, just a scrawny kid growing up in OB here and uh, would come to practice and throw batting practice to us so we can get better. So we had a great team. Uh, David Kamara, who went on to play Major League Baseball in the minor league system, uh, myself and a couple other guys, but of course, David Wells was just a tremendous guy, and we're end up winning. I'm not sure if we even lost like more than a handful of games that whole year. So it was a really good, uh, good situation for us at Point Loma High. So could you have played uh, baseball at Arizona State if you wanted to? Well, you know what's funny because I was drafted really late by the Cincinnati Reds, and the whole recruiting process because I loved uh, ASU baseball. When I got down there, it was like, oh, yeah, you can play baseball and football. It's like, yeah. man, sign me up. I go there <laughs> and didn't know it at the time, but their outfield, their left fielder was Barry Bonds. Uh, the center fielder was a guy named Odeby McDowell, who was the uh, college baseball player of the year. The right fielder was Mike Devereaux, the second player picked in the draft for the Atlanta Braves. So I had a hack. I went out to shag some balls. Coach Brock, legendary coach at ASU told me and another teammate, hey, you guys know where foot spring football is? We're like, yeah, it's across the street. He's like, yeah, you guys need to go and join us. <laughs> so uh, it was not even 15 minutes that I get to uh, uh, participate in, in, in baseball at ASU. <laughs> uh, uh, so, hey, can I, can I, just because you, you've excelled at every level that you've played at, when you uh, are sitting around daydreaming about your athletic career, which I assume every athlete, be a professional or a hack like me, does, what level do you go back to? Do you go back to your high school days? you go back to your college days? you go back to your NFL days? Uh, funny because I've been lucky enough and fortunate to come back to my hometown in San Diego. And, you know, it, it, whenever you know I'm around town, I run into high school friends of mine and even Pop Warner guys. 
And I tell you, the friends that you have made throughout the journey of football are long lasting. Whenever you see them, you immediately go back to that time. So there's instances where I'm talking to guys from Blincher Park, Pop Warner, and you know we're talking about you know going up to Inglewood and playing Inglewood. You know <laughs> when we're like nine or ten years old. So it doesn't fail, and that's great to be able to be back home. It's to be able to remember those days at Pop Warner or high school at Point Loma. And we have a huge text chain with our college guys and, of course, our pro guys, alumni, being the Raiders and the Eagles, are very strong. So we're always excited about the upcoming season. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, we talked about, God, I forget who we talked about, another guest, but the different teams, everybody thinks the alumni is, you know, is the same. But I played no, with the Eagles one year. I get invited to everything for the Eagles for playing there one year hurt. Chargers yeah. have never invited me to a single thing. Well, never. probably but, because you've been so critical of the Chargers over your course of your broadcast career. And I'm going to back him up on that because they have not done a very good job of welcoming uh, their veterans and their alumni groups back. Uh, I've been fortunate, like I said, the Raiders are probably the best. We just hosted over 300 um, ex-Raiders uh, at our last preseason game and had a great time. They... Uh, Mr. Davis running out the top floor of one of the hotels. We're kicking back at food, just able to kind of vibe and talk with each other. People in the building uh, are ex-Raiders at times. He gives opportunities for family members. They do an incredible job. And every time the Eagles are on the West Coast, uh, they call me up. They want me to come by, talk to the team. It's an extraordinary opportunity to kind of give back. And all veterans, uh, hopefully, get that opportunity, but like Brett, like uh, uh, just talking about, we just don't have that opportunity for all the teams. Did you call me Brett? Yeah, I did. All right. Like Brett all right, Favre. so well, what do you do with that? <laughs> well, I'd rather be mistaken for Brett Favre. Eric, <laughs> currently, are you part of the broadcast team now? Yeah, I've. Uh, this is going on year four, I think, going on year four. So I do uh, pregame radio with JT DeBrick, who's awesome. Oh. Who's so like, yeah, he's, he's awesome. And that's the kind of reaction you get from everybody. I work with JT the Brick. What? I know JT the Brick. You know, so JT has been doing it for, I think, 25 years. So I do a pregame radio show with him. And then I do a postgame television show with Silver and Black Productions. We do all Raider theme. So I'm on television throughout the season, like 20 weeks out of the year. Uh, do a postgame television show. Uh, with the uh, with the head coach, do interviews with the players. So it's great. It's a great chance for so, me to continue to be involved. I assume you then you have a place in Vegas then? Well, yes, we have a team hotel. Ah. And so it's very easy to, you know, go on a Tuesday and stay for a week because the team kind of puts us up. It's in Henderson, uh, Nevada, so we're not on the strip. They have an outstanding facility with state-of-the-art I mean, it's unbelievable what uh, Mr. Davis has done there in Las Vegas. And now the Aces facility is right next door to ours. Uh, so, I mean, you couldn't believe, like, four years ago what the Raiders were playing in in Oakland. And now fast forward and see the facilities that we have, plus the Legion Stadium is just tremendous. Please follow up on that because are, are we talking about the nicest stadium in the I mean, I know the folks in L.A. will say ours yeah. costs a lot more <laughs> and, and is bigger. But where does the yeah. the Death Star they call it? Yeah, is, yeah is I, it? I think I think it, it you really can't compare the two uh, based on the timing of it built. It, it it came in under budget. No one got hurt on time. 
Uh, they did an incredible job of giving that Las Vegas feel. So there's stages everywhere. There's different parts of the stadium where you can kind of just hang out, right, and, and stand on top of the platform underneath the torch, which represents what all Raider Nation is about, Al Davis. Uh, then you have, still have the black hole, which is uh, in the southwest end zone. So all the Raider faithful that are coming from Oakland have still a place to be. And then they have the outstanding halftime. There's always some kind of performance at halftime. You know, some some big celebrity or star is at halftime. Someone's singing the national anthem. So space-wise, Los Angeles Rams uh, Stadium may be bigger, but there's no doubt uh, Allegiant Stadium is the best. Okay, which one's which one's more expensive? Because they're both pretty pricey, are they not? So I, I, you know what? I think the I think the LA one is more. Is yeah, more expensive they're like two, on, two billion you know, over where, budget. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, they also Sink have the and everything, green, you know. In Las Vegas, there's just so much room. You I'll know? tell you and, what, I'd rather go to Vegas to see it. If I, uh, I don't go to like NFL games. Going to NFL games in person don't does not appeal to me as much as I did when I was younger or just starting out in this business. But if I was going to go to a game, I think I'd want to go to Vegas before I want to go to so SoFi. Yeah, I, I, guys, Vegas over Inglewood? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah come on, man. What are you t uh, so you see a uh, like Inglewood, where you go to see a Rams. And Eagle game, it could be good. You come to Vegas and yeah. see a Raiders and Eagles game, it was it was unbelievable. Kansas City Chiefs every week. It's crazy. People are coming all over the country as Raider fans because it has such a huge following. And then you bring in, you know, a team that obviously they hate are the Chargers, the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. But I just go back to that Raiders game of, of uh, the Raiders and Eagles game of last year, it was just a collection of great fans who came in. It seemed like they came in on Friday, and they were pretty, you know, <laughs> they were pretty wild. Uh, when pretty pretty lubed up, huh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, a little bit, a little bit. So, Eric, Paul always on this show talks about his big play, his, his greatest play of his career. Eric, and I'll spare you. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you my favorite play of your career, and then I want to hear your favorite play of your career. And then, Paul, maybe you'll share it. No, no, I'm not going to yeah. Eric, I'm so, not going to Wait, you know, I'm going to go with the Jets one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. your favorite play? So, no, it's not. But what? The, thing about, the thing about that play, Bert, was Boomer was trying to uh, throw like a in route or something like that. And I kind of picked up on what the receiver was doing, was able to to make the catch, and the catch was kind of behind me. But when I caught the ball, I looked up, and Boomer was, like, walking off the field. Like, Not even trying to I was going to be tackled. Yeah. I was like, what is he doing? He doesn't, he doesn't know that I'm about to return. And so that was the whole – because I was going to catch it, you know, kind of make – but I saw him, like, walking off the field, and I was kind of like, okay, you don't think I can do this. So that's kind of where all of the – the movements came, and uh, right. when I got down to the side, when I got to the left side after probably 50 yards of running, <laughs> we had a corner named Ben Smith from Georgia, and he was like, pitch the ball, eat pitch the ball. I was like, <laughs> I was like Ben, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, after all this, I'm not going to pitch you the ball. Uh, Randall Cunningham, who was our quarterback at the time, was hurt, had right? got hurt yeah. earlier in the game, had tore his knee up again, and he was standing in the end zone on his crutches. And after after the run, I went up and handed him the ball. So it was kind of uh, fitting you know, to, to see all that happen and then have Randall standing in the end zone handing the ball. Everyone's excited. And it was a humongous play. Of course, Chris Berman, when every time I see Chris, he always talks about the play and, you know, brings it up. 
My favorite play, though, is a play against Washington. It was the last game of the season. We needed the win to go to the playoffs. And we were they were in the red zone, uh, probably like the five or ten yard line. And so I was covering, I think at the time it was, I was matched up with Gary Clark. He was a, like sure. a slot receiver, really shifty. Real good. Uh, for Washington. And so they motioned me from the right side to the left side. And as I'm running across the formation, I'm thinking they're motioning me because we have a young corner who is matched up on, I think it was his name was Art Monk, who's a Hall of Famer, Sure, is going to run like a little pivot route and body him in the end zone. And at the time, the young corner, his name was Otis Smith, who eventually went on to win Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. He wasn't experienced enough to really cover Art in that situation. And all Art had to do was get into the end zone and like just box him out and play base basketball, basically. So I'm running across the formation. They snap the ball, and it's Mark Rippon, and I stop. Not even all the way to the left side. I stop. I go all the way back to the left side, and just in time, knock the ball down. And we end up you know, winning the game, because that was like the last play of the game. If Mark Rippon would have pulled that ball down and threw it to my guy. <laughs> you left your, you left your man unattended. They would have ran me out of the building. But fortunately, you know, those instincts kick in for you. And sometimes that's the most important thing, I think, that separates good players from great players is there's these immeasurables that there's no uh, analytics that can handle it. There's nothing really that will tell a person, a coach, uh, staff that this guy is capable of doing these things in the moment because they've never been done before. I mean, I stopped in the middle of the play <laughs> as time is going and trust my instincts, trust my studying, go back and knock the ball down. And hey, it's a breakup and everyone's cheering. But, uh, you know, to take that risk, and to be cool with that. But you just did that gotta, instinctively. You didn't You didn't sit here and think about it. I mean, that's just something you found yourself doing, right? I found myself doing it because the experience of they're not going to challenge me right. in this situation because I've been successful. So game planning wise, if I was a coach and I got in that situation, You'd move I would want on. my Hall of Fame receiver going against a younger corner right. who doesn't really know. So right. I'm going to. Me, Eric, I'm going to aid in our defense. And whenever you have a defense, it's just not 11. If you can multiply that by how you play the game up here, 11 becomes 11 and a half or 12. You know, sometimes in Philadelphia, we had Reggie, Seth, myself, uh, Clyde, Jerome. I mean, we're playing like 15 guys on the field. It, it was basically, right. you know, what series do you want to take over? Right. You bring up Jerome, um, and, and I grew up in Philly, and I've been a big Eagles fan. How devastating yeah. was that to that team? Because uh, that that team, you could just see it just – I mean, that team was like uh, almost like the Bears in 85, and that happened, and it was like devastating. Yeah. Uh, you're right, because Buddy had kind of uh, groomed our team to be that Bears type of football team 
and he wanted to improve on aspects that he thought, you know, the Bears didn't want to or, or couldn't. So we were all about that. We were all about defensively just being a dominant, you know, team that really took advantage of all those outstanding players up front, particularly Jerome and Reggie. Jerome was really the glue of that football team. And when, <laughs> whenever we would go to, to Florida, right, to play, I mean, it was like the king was coming back home. All the clubs were shut down. We'd have, we'd have meals for free. I mean, they just loved Jerome because he was such a, a hometown hero, just an ambassador of football and how to, to get to the league, but don't leave those people who were important to you don't leave those people behind. He would have his like high school teachers at the game in Philly, you know, uh, it's his YMCA coach, you know, at the game in Philly. I mean, we just all love Jerome. And when he passed away, unfortunately, way too soon, right. we were devastated. And that was really the beginning of the breakup of that, uh, that great defense. Can I bring this conversation back to the high school level? Well, I'm, I'm a little yeah. worried because you just told that thing how you left your man. Every high school PPR thing you, you we see this week is going to be kids uh, getting uh, burned uh, and, uh, and cut now. Hey, hey, corners out there, stay on your man. <laughs> stay on your man. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because you still have a youngster playing, right? Noah, right? Yeah, yeah. Last one, Noah Allen's at Point Loma High School, plays a slot receiver and a little corner. All right, so uh, how do you balance that? Because you obviously have a lot of knowledge, yeah. yet – you don't want to be that dad. You don't want to be. No, yeah. 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 And, and, but you also want to give your boy every ad, ad, competitive advantage you possibly can. Yeah. I, I know I would if you were, if I, you were my okay. dad. So yeah. how, talk a little bit about that. And then talk a little bit about what are the lessons that you're teaching kids at the high school level that will help them most get to the next level? Yeah. Uh, you know, the first thing I talk to them about is make sure you're taking care of right now. You know, let's not look too far in the future about all those other things. Don't compare yourself to other players, you know, who are, you know, being broadcast of this star and that star. You know, let's set some goals for you and let's try and reach those goals. And you have to stack days. And what I mean by that is you have to really put in the work, uh, the work on yourself. Make sure when you get your opportunity through the past, through the air, you have to capitalize on that opportunity. The only way you can do those things is by putting in the work and when the lights are not on. You know, when you're at home, we, we have, like, me and my son, we, we do a catching circuit, you know, every Thursday. He's in the ice tub, you know, after, after hard practices. Uh, we, watch, we watch film together, and we just talk about things that he can improve himself on because that's what it's really about. It's about every day trying to get a little better because none of us are perfect. And in this day and time, we're so different, right, from um, broadcasting practices. You know, people are broadcasting practices right. on, you know, their YouTube channel. You know, back when I was playing, no one really cared about practice. It was really up to up to you and your, your, your circle uh, to, you know, put goals on yourself. So I think that's the first thing we talk about just make sure you're taking care of your thing and not really worried about the other guy. And do you think, I mean, because we talk about, the, I mean, high school kids are getting NILs now. I mean, there's high school kids making more than you yeah. made as all pro in, yeah. in your, you know, second, third year. I mean, is that a good thing at that age, you think? 
No, I don't think it's a good thing in high school. I really don't. I think it should be team-based in high school or unit-based. So if someone wants to get an NIL deal, it should be to the offense. It should be to the D-line. It should be to a group mm -hmm. and not uh, just an individual because high school kids, high school young players, excuse me, I think are not mature enough to be able to separate uh, you know, that type of money when you're in high school with other high school players who are 15 years old. You have a guy you know, on campus who's 18 years old you know, getting $500,000 a year, and that 15-year-old, they're on the same team. How does that 15-year-old think about success when the guy on his team is making you know, half a million dollars? Is success getting the NIL deal, or is success making sure you get reps as the third receiver. Right. So you got to go home and get in the sand and work on your routes and catch the ball. And you do all that. And at the end of the season, you don't have an NIL deal. But that doesn't mean you're not successful. That doesn't mean you didn't reach your goals. So I, I think right now we're in a really critical time, uh, particularly with high school, that uh, we need to be careful. And we need to make sure that all, right. all the young players are appreciated. I agree with you, but how do you get the genie back in the bottle now? You, you can't. You can't. You can't. You, you really can't. And it's really, it comes again down to those high school coaches to really talk to their team about these things and set realistic goals and standards uh, for their players and let them know that there are a ton of outliers that we as the media make normal. Like, you know, for a team to have, you know, three or four, you know, four or five-star players and they all get recruited, that's not normal. That's an outlier. But we have to, as, as media people, we put that on constantly. Yeah. And so most of the high schoolers think that's normal. That's not normal. Yeah. That's not normal. A very few percentage of people get to even put on a Division One uniform. And I don't think that is, because it's not, I don't think that is talked about enough because that's not, you know, what's going to get, you know, people interested. And I think what scares me is it's like, I mean, you remember, what'd you make your rookie year? How much money? What's your I salary? I was making $300,000. You were not. Year. Quit lying. Yeah. What's your signing yeah. bonus included? Yeah. Three, uh, my signing <laughs> bonus was like, 400000 or something. It was a really crazy story. And I, if we have time, let me tell you. Okay. Right. So Buddy Ryan calls me in college. We had a strength and conditioning coach who was at my college who went to work at Philly. He calls me up. Hey, Buddy loves you. Keep doing what you're doing. So the process goes on. He says, hey, I want you in the first round. I have like the 12th pick or the 13th pick or whatever and a tight end from Oklahoma, which was Keith Jackson. So as the process continued, the team behind the Eagles wanted a tight end. He calls me. He's like, listen, I'm going to try and get the tight end, move up in the draft, and get you. We come draft day. They get the tight end. I'm, I'm like the 30th pick in the draft was like the first pick in the second round. But he calls me after the draft. Hey, man, don't worry about it. I'm going to fly you up here. I'm going to cut every corner behind you. I'm going to give you this huge incentive package, but you're going to be our starting corner on day one so you can make the money back. 
Buddy Ryan was awesome, man. Wow. That is a good story. Yeah. I had Dan Henning, for the love of God. Man. Wow. <laughs> Which, you know what? I want to ask that last question. We had Dan Henning and the worst team I've ever been on in my life, and you guys <laughs> lost to us in 89. How did uh, that happen? What, what, what is that? This, I mean, we just went, we were so roller coaster, you know, after all that stuff happened, man. We were so roller coaster. People were all in their feelings. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Later on, we were losing a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. This might be unfair because, Eric, I don't know how much time you have to watch the local scene, but are there any players in San Diego <laughs> that you you have an eye on that you're saying, wow, this guy? Oh, man. Or do you even know, uh, or, do you know, know any of them? I've been, I, you know what? I've been so focused on my son. Right. I just really have. And it's been a crazy offseason, but I know, um, I know, like, they just had the Honor Bowl, right? Right. So usually the, the San Diego team that wins one of those honorable games, if we have one that won, we did. It's Madison, usually the team to watch. Madison looks like they're pretty they're yeah. pretty strong this year, right? And yeah. you know my ties to Cathedral, and of course my son's at Point Loma. So uh, I just know you guys do a great job, and I'm all over the country, and uh, you guys do a unique job of really presenting high school football at just a, a great, great, uh, great time and love to see it every Friday night. All right, Eric, I always tell people I'll buy you a steak dinner if you can find another TV station that replicates, not does it better, but just even replicates what the PPR does. You travel the country. Have you seen yeah. anything that's come close? Uh, probably Channel 10 and uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Channel 10 in Fort Worth. Really? They got a show like an hour long? No. Everything? No. <laughs> you just making it up? <laughs> well, I was going to check it out. He's writing I, it down. Well, He's I, like, there's no Channel 10 in Fort Worth. I, I got you. I, got you. Uh, well, I was going to check it out. I mean, because I don't get I around know. the country as you do. I, I know. And no, you were writing I, it down like you got well, Channel yeah, 10 in Fort Worth. Here's why, Eric. Here's why I'm so proud of it. Is this management here. This is how much yeah. they believe in it. and Because TV yeah. stations, they make their money with their newscasts. And right. this place, right. KUSI and the McKinnick Broadcasting Company, they have felt the value of high school athletics is so great, they preempt their 11 o'clock newscasts to do a high school yeah. football show. And frankly, I've never, and I can't believe no. they would do it in Dallas, or in Fort Worth, Texas, because I know that. <laughs> They didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why I, I always say steak dinner of your choice. Find me a place to preempt yeah. a newscast because there is yeah, no you one. Guys, you, you, guys, you guys are legit, man. You guys are the real deal. Uh, you do an incredible job. And uh, that's one of the things when people come to town, you know, people are huddled around a television on Friday night checking you guys out. Well, that means a lot, especially to have someone of your caliber who, uh, you know, Bert watching, he's, he's a shut-in. He doesn't yeah, do anything. But having know. someone like you who has a, who has social opportunities, has a that means a lot, Eric. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, well I, hey, How Eric, long are you going to keep Eric all right, today? All right, all right, I know. I said I, we're waiting. Oh, I got one quick. You got the red vines? You got the red vines or no? Yes, I have them. You saw the picture of them. I got them. All right. I'm what, gonna, what, what's that, what pop, is that about? I'll pop up at one of these games or something and present them to you. I appreciate that. All right, Eric, uh, I'll let the, the last question, we'll let you go because uh, we're well overdue. Look into the, uh, your computer screen and talk to these kids directly. What message would you want to convey? I, I, I love that saying about having, st you know, stacking days. I think that I'm yeah. going to steal that from you. But other than that, what's your message to, and it doesn't have to be football players, to high yeah. school kids in general? You're right. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand uh, 
what the role of football does in your life. And it really creates leadership. Uh, you guys are getting a test, right, and how to lead people. And it's not always a quarterback. It's all the way down to the D-line. Whatever position you play in football, it's your really first opportunity to really lead. And many of you guys are going to go on to be CEOs and, and work in sales, whatever. But you guys will always be able to fall back on this time in high school because it really is about evolving, getting better each day. You guys have done that. And that's extremely, extremely uh, helpful for you guys later on in life, being able to look back and say, you know what? We started in the beginning of July. We worked all through July, finished the season. You know what? I got better each and every day. That's going to leave a, leave a mark on your lives when you guys are way beyond your football playing days. Uh, that's why this man is going to he should be a Hall of Famer. That's why he will Hopefully, be a Hall of Famer. Hopefully, pretty soon. <laughs> I, I, uh, Eric, I promise you I will not pester you again for this conversation, but <laughs> when that ring and gold jacket goes on, yeah. uh, we will ask you again, okay? Oh, for sure. For sure. I'll be here. And Eric, you've been very kind to myself and the PPR, and it's always been greatly appreciated, even when you didn't have to or you never had to. And the fact that you were so generous <laughs> with your time, uh, that, that means a ton. And uh, I want you to know it's greatly appreciated. All right, now. Very Eric Allen, everybody. All right. Turn off the machines. We're Thank done. you, Eric. <laughs> Great conversation.